Time for our spotlight on KRWC. It is our first Wednesday of the month, and we reserve that for University of Minnesota Extension. And with us today is Ag Extension Horticulture uh, Specialist Emily Hansen, who works out of the Wright County uh, U of M Extension office, and she joins us here today. Good morning. Good morning. Your first solo mission here. You were with uh, a couple other folks the last time. Yep, first solo mission, so hopefully it goes well, it goes well, smoothly. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, you are relatively new to uh, Extension. You've been there, what, a few months now? Yeah, I think we're coming up on three months on the 13th of September, so okay. very new. And your specialties basically are everything as far as uh, the horticulture end of things. So we'll talk a little bit today about uh, lawn and garden care and pastures and, and then master gardeners too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm mainly in the lawn care, trees, gardens, uh, small farms area. So that's basically my side. And then Karen's more of livestock. So Was that uh, kind of your field of interest when you when you studied and then got into uh, the extension? Yeah, so actually I uh, started off majoring in ag education, so I wanted to be a teacher and um, communicate about agriculture and really teach kids where their food comes from. But I actually ended up graduating with a ag communications and marketing degree. So uh, teaching and communication are really my specialty. And uh, I love learning about agriculture and getting to learn more and share that with people. So that's really my passion and yeah. worked out with extension. So, Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, we uh, welcome you and we're going to talk a little bit about the fall lawn care. I was telling Emily some of my woes in my own yard where I'm undertaking another uh, big uh, grass seed planting and uh, project. But uh, you've got some fall lawn care tips, so we'll, we'll let you talk about that. Yeah, so now is really the best time to reseed your lawn um, because of the cool season. Um, we have cool season turf grasses here in Minnesota, and if you've seen some of your lawn kind of turn brown this year, don't fret because uh, it's actually going dormant. So usually when we have really warm summer temperatures like we have had, um, the root growth and plants start to slow down, so they turn brown to kind of conserve their energy. Um, and the roots can actually be damaged when the soil temperatures are above 85 degrees. So in fall months is when they start to grow again, um, nutrients get to be stored back up and kind of overwinter. Um, so cool season turf grasses are the best and they grow, um, in optimal temperatures of 55 to 75 degrees, which is what we've been seeing lately, which is really nice. We've kind of got the cooler weather, um, And then, so with cool season turf grasses, it's best to reseed um, August to late September. So best to get on that right now since we're kind of getting into the September months towards the end. And in Minnesota, usually we see a lot of people that um, have Kentucky bluegrass type uh, seeds, um, but there's also mixtures of that as well. Um, and then when picking out the type of seed, it's also really important to consider the location where your seed is going. So if you have a bunch of trees in your yard, it's going to shade over. Um, it's best to look for fescues such as shade tolerant Kentucky bluegrass. So make sure when you're looking at the bag or if you go to a seed dealer that you're specifying what type of location. And if you're in a sunny area with little trees or no shade, um, Kentucky, there are Kentucky bluegrass varieties that are um, in sunny areas as well as perennial ryegrass. So it's best to do that. And then once you pick out your seed, 
um, you need to plant it, right? So it's best to spread it consistently so that your lawn is uniform. Um, I've had some people come to me uh, asking why they have these patches in their lawn and they reseeded by hand. So it's really best to spread it with a roller um, like so it's uniform and then you can rake it so which allows 10 to 15 percent of the seed to show. And then when you spread the seed it'll be spread at half a rate in perpendicular directions. Um, and then once you have that good seed to soil contact that we really like to see it's best to water to a depth of four to six inches. Um, we don't really want to soak the seed right away because that will not promote growth. We just kind of want to lightly water it from four to six inches on a light frequent watering program. So if you're watering three times a day, that's probably not the best option. Uh, we just want to water in the mornings when it's cool outside so we can really stimulate that growth. And um, once you see some germination, obviously reduce the frequency of the watering uh, so it can um, get those roots in there and really be solid for the next season. So Yeah, you want it to, to kind of reach down for water and not mm -hmm. have it so abundant that it just stays at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people choose to uh, seed in the spring um, so they can have grass for the summer, but that's actually uh, not the best time to do it. I've seen some people seed in the spring, and now is the perfect time to do it because in Minnesota we have cool season turf grasses. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot, I think, uh, notably with the uh, not so bad this year, particularly uh, we, we got some very timely rains here of late, but um, prior to that we were getting a little bit drought uh, consistent type things. But last year, of course, was really a scorching summer and no rain, and a lot of people, myself included, lost a lot of grassy areas. So mm -hmm. I think it brings to mind that... Um, I know myself and others look for something that's more drought tolerant has become a, a big thing too, especially if you don't have, um, you know, watering available or you just don't want to, you know, use the water for that or, or spend the money to do it, mm -hmm. which is costly too. Yeah, exactly. And, um, grasses in Minnesota are very strong. They can probably resist out drought from six to eight weeks. And if the drought is longer than that, that's when we see some losses. So when it turns brown, um, don't worry. Um, and then if it rains, that's a good sign that it will keep going until the end of the season. But like last year, um, we had a very long drought, yeah. which is why you're probably seeing some losses because it was just so long and it didn't get enough water. For sure. Mm -hmm. It has seemed like, and I'm sure a lot of people are noticing this too, especially after those last rains, although it's been a little dry lately, but um, those last rains that we had um, after that, and probably the combination of that and the cooler temperatures, my lawn has just gone nuts. I'm back to, you know, I could do twice a week pretty easily. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a surprise for most people when they see that. They're just like, oh, my grass revived itself. We thought it was dead, but it's not dead. It's just dormant. So oh. just wait till the cool season comes around. And What about um, if, if people are going to reseed? Um, do you recommend fertilizer with that or, or what's the, what should you do? Um, so when you reseed, it's best before you add fertilizer to get a soil test. So we don't recommend fertilizer unless you have a soil test. So 
if your soil is very, very high in phosphorus and you're adding a fertilizer that has tons of phosphorus, you're really, really degrading the effect of putting more seed in and having it grow. Um, it'll limit the plant growth. So if you are going to add fertilizer, um, I would recommend getting a soil test from the University of Minnesota um, or contact me as well if you need any help with that, picking one out yeah. or reading the soil test. Is that a pretty easy process? Yeah, super easy. So um, at the office in the Public Works building in Buffalo, uh, we have these slips that you can come in and get, and we also have soil test bags. So when you get your slip and your soil test bag, you'll go home. And I recommend to kind of take four samples from four different areas of your lawn, put it in a bucket, mix it all together, and then put it in the soil test bag. And then you'll fill out your form. The base is $17 for the soil test. And then if you wanted to test for more, it would obviously be more. But once you have the soil in the bag, you'll ship it to the University of Minnesota. So we have those bags and the forms for free at the Public Works building in Buffalo. So, okay. mm -hmm. And then once you get those facts, then you know to do what? Yeah, so when you get your soil test back, it'll say if you have high levels of phosphorus, uh, if your pH is low or high, um, if your nitrogen levels are high, potassium, Those are that's kind of the base. Um, and then... It, it will recommend if you needed to add more. So if you needed to add more nitrogen, it would be 0.5 acres, uh, pounds per acre would be the recommendation if you were very low in nitrogen. It would kind of be something like that. And um, if you needed help reading it or rec me to recommend some fertilizers, so you can always come in and ask as well. We hear phrases a lot uh, regarding lawn care, particularly this time of the year, dethatch. Mm -hmm. and uh, aeration, mm -hmm. and maybe you want to talk about those a little bit. Yeah, so right now when we're seeding, it's probably not best to do any of those, but aerating the soil is really good to kind of get the cool um, air into it um, to kind of promote that root growth as well. So and that's basically just... Uh, you can do it yourself, or you know, there's companies that'll do it for you, and basically they take little little plugs out of the ground every mm -hmm. so often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to do that, that would be a good option. Um, but if if you're seeding, I wouldn't aerate the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. They make, uh, I think, for, uh, you know, riding lawn tractors and things like that, folks that uh, do that kind of thing uh, for themselves on their, you know, properties, they make attachments for that. Mm -hmm. Or you can rent them, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you needed help, finding people that had those things and you want to do that, you can always contact our office. Um, we're always here to help. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not seeding, you might want to consider that. It kind of loosens the soil up and gets it ready for the following year. But uh, if you're seeding, you might want to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how about uh, when we get to the point now, probably the next time that we see you, we're probably going to have a bunch of leaves on the ground. So if, as far as raking, are there any concerns about um, you know, raking or implements that you use or what's the best there? For um, after you seed or just general tree care? Just general. Yeah, so it's really best to rake up those leaves on the ground. So if your tree actually has like a type of fungus or a disease, that could uh, impact another tree. 
So if you see the leaves on your tree kind of drop a lot, it's best to pick those up right away just in case your tree has some type of fungus or disease on it so it doesn't spread to another tree. Um, we see that a lot with tree issues. I get a lot of calls about trees here in Wright County, but make sure you are picking up those leaves when you can um, because of the impact on other trees that it could have if it is diseased. So better to rake them than mow them in some cases. Yeah, exactly. Way better to do that. Um, there's just a potential for um, water splashing on those leaves, getting on another tree somewhere. Um, yeah, it's best to pick them up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have we heard much about, I think I read uh, recently more uh, emerald ash borer uh, is uh, that's always a threat and it's uh, been in Wright County for a while already, but uh, mm -hmm. obviously it's you know, spreading. It's just a matter of time on how to hold it off. Right. Yeah. I do get a lot of calls about emerald ash, but most of them, um, they don't, they don't have emerald, emerald, emerald ash borer. <laughs> That's a mouthful, but, uh, the ash trees are just stressed by the environment, but some big signs of emerald ash are obviously the defoliation. Um, that's where we get a lot of calls as people see that their ash trees are, um, defoliating, um, but some other big signs are if you see a lot of woodpeckers on your ash tree, they're trying to get in and get the larvae of the borer. And then if you look inside your ash tree, um, you'll see these S-shaped galleries. So that's the biggest telltale is if you see the galleries. Um, and then if you have any bark cracks on your tree um, or any D-shaped holes, that's those are a few other signs as well. But if you see an increase in woodpeckers on those type of trees, that is a very big sign. And then if you look into the tree, if you can kind of peel the bark away and see those S-shaped galleries, those are those are prominent. So that's a big sign you have emerald ash. And yeah. it's important that you don't transport wood either from that tree if you do cut it down because it can spread to other trees and that's how it spreads. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How about uh, general tree pruning this time of the year uh, anything to really watch out for there or are we pretty good yeah do not prune your tree at this time of the year actually um, since it is kind of warm still outside um, the tree can get diseased because of an open wound it's actually best to prune your tree in January um, because it's cold um, no no um, signs of disease will come about your tree um, so even though it's cold outside in January, it's best to prune your tree then. And uh, even though there aren't any leaves to kind of tell which to prune, you can mark them with string or um, we don't recommend paints, but um, if you can just mark them with string in the winter, if you wanted to do that, that would be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Emily Hansen with the uh, University of Minnesota Extension Service Office here in Wright County. We want to shift a little bit to uh, the Master Gardener program in the uh, minutes that we have left, and uh, you're kind of overseeing that too. How many Master Gardeners do we have these days? We have about 50 in Wright County, really? so that's my biggest group. Yeah, we have a great group in Wright County. Um, we're doing a lot of things that for the community, so the Master Gardener program is really more about community service than it is about knowing about horticulture. Um, Extension is really about educating people and the Master Gardener program does just that. So when you get, when you sign up to be a Master Gardener and the applications are open now, um, 
I'll go through the applications and um, after October 1st, I'll set up uh, an interview and that's more of a conversation rather than a job type interview to see if it's the best fit. And if you are approved to get into the program, uh, your first year will be called your intern year. And your intern year consists of 50 hours of community volunteer service and then a 15-week online course. So um, we really like the online course because it just includes everybody. You don't have to know really anything about gardening to be in the Master Gardener program because we have this course. Uh, you're learning, you're educating yourself, and then with your volunteer hours, you're educating other people as well. So we have a lot of volunteer opportunities in the Wright County area. Um, we have the fair, that's a big one. Um, we have a lot of people coming to us to renovate some lawns. Um, we have a yard and garden line as well for technical assistance. So the, the hours are pretty easy to get if 50 sounds like a lot to you. But after your first year of 50 hours in that 15-week class, it turns into 25 hours and then five hours of continuing education. So the program is really all about learning, sharing it with other people, and also giving back to the community as well. I would think, though, that most people that are in the program or are thinking about getting into the program probably have a, you know, real interest in that anyway. And mm -hmm. and uh, it's just something that they you know, have a passion about. Right, exactly. And um, they have a passion or they want that to be their passion yeah. as well. I mean, there's some people that never really got into gardening during their um like full-time job life and they're retired now so this is just a good opportunity that for them to get into it a little bit more while also giving back to the community so it's a really good balance of learning educating and then um, volunteering as well so again the first steps are either contact you directly or through the online yep so the online application um, is on the extension site so if you just look up University of Minnesota Extension Master Gardener Program. There should be a link there. Um, it's kind of long to say, so I don't really want to say it over the radio. No, but um, if you just go online, you can do that. Or if you wanted to do a paper application, you can come into our office and I'll help you with that. So. And you're out in the um, Public Works building, yep. which is right nearby the, the county campus there. Yep, right um, by the new government center. So. Yep, I'll be in there if you wanted to apply. Hey, let's spend a minute or two if if you want on um, a lot of folks, I'm sure, kind of seeing their uh, summer gardens coming to an end a little bit here. Anything that they should know about uh, particular ways to kind of put the garden to bed for the year? Um, it's So I've actually had some people call about tomatoes not ripening, and uh, one of my master gardeners has a trick. So if you're not seeing your tomatoes ripen as fast, bring them inside. Um, and they'll actually ripen. So that's one of the big things. Um, and then in terms of thinking of next year, always think about where your garden is kind of set up. Make sure that you're not planting the same things over and over again uh, in the same spots. Um, we see a lot of issues with that with tomatoes. If they keep planting them in the same spot as next year, um, they may not come up. Um, and then um, in terms of ripening as well, there could also be some nutrient deficiencies in the soil. And so if you wanted to do a soil test now, uh, just to see what your soil is like, you can plan for next year to see what you would like to do and how'd you, how would you like to 
kind of rearrange things and if you need some fertilizer as well. So those are kind of some of the big things that I've been seeing. Um, but yeah. Did people have generally a pretty good year with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with local uh, backyard gardens this year? Do they have pretty good luck? Yeah. So it's been all across the board, really. Um, some of my master gardeners had great success and others just kind of floundered. Really? So it really depends on the type of garden, I guess, or really what happens. Um, one of the master gardeners had a bunch of rabbits enter oh. her yard. So <laughs> obviously we don't like the rabbits eating our tomatoes. Or <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, That'll it really depended this year. Lots of um, yield, and then there's some that there wasn't really a bunch. So, all right. So, mm -hmm. typical uh, hit or miss year yeah. for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, let's just give some general contact information as we wrap up here, Emily. Uh, on if people have any questions uh, and anything that we talked about or any other topics either. Yeah, so if anyone has any other questions, you can contact me. Um, you can come right to the office in Buffalo, or my phone number is 612-394-6302. All right, we will look forward to uh, talking with you in the future, and I think Karen's going to be in too. Karen Johnson, who uh, we met here a few weeks back, will uh, be kind of alternating through, and I, we'll probably get to both of you at least once a month here. Yep. So. Yeah. All right, sounds good. We look forward to our next visit. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. There's today's Spotlight on KRWC.